So as I was reading today's gospel, I struggled with how to interpret that last sentence. Many are invited, but few are chosen. So sometimes when you struggle with a particular phrase in the gospel, it helps to look at other translations. And so I found a translation that I think really captures the meaning more authentically. We'll go back a few lines because even the man who was without the garment seems to have been treated harshly. But here's uh, a better understanding of what happens. Now, when the king entered the banquet hall, he looked with glee over all his guests. But then he noticed a guest who was not wearing the wedding robe provided for him. So he said, my friend, how is it that you're here and you're not wearing your wedding garment? But the man was speechless. Then the king turned to his servants and said, tie him up and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be great sorrow with weeping and grinding of teeth. And here's the last sentence. For everyone is invited to enter in, but few respond in excellence. Few respond in excellence. I think that captures much better what Jesus is trying to convey here. And to help us even further, I looked up a number from the catechism, which helps us to appreciate better our baptism and what happens at baptism. Here's number 1265. Baptism not only purifies from all sins, but also, phone's ringing, <laughs> but also makes the neo, that's God calling, by the way, better answer, better respond in excellence. Here we go. Here we go. Thank you, Lord. Right on cue. Baptism not only purifies from all sins, but also makes the neophyte a new creature, an adopted son of God who has become a partaker of the divine nature, member of Christ and co-heir with him and a temple of the Holy Spirit. So that's a lot happening at baptism. One more number, 1266. The most holy trinity gives the baptized sanctifying grace, the grace of justification, giving them the power to live and act under the prompting of the Holy Spirit through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Thus, the whole organism of the Christian's supernatural life has its roots in baptism. So, as St. Paul would say, we have become new, new men, new women, new creatures. And that's something that God does. If you recall, after baptism takes place, after the water is poured over the head of the person, usually the, the child, there's a part of the rite of baptism that includes a white garment. I know some families have baptismal garments that have been passed on from generation to generation. If not, the church provides a nice little white garment for you to use. But that is symbolic of what just happened when the person was baptized. They literally became a new being in the order of grace. So we talk about being born again. 
Well, that's something that God does for us in baptism. If you remember that conversation with Nicodemus and Jesus, if you've seen the Chosen episode with that, it helps you to think about it right now. Nicodemus is asking the question, well, I I can't re-enter my mother's womb and be born again. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. It's being born of water and the spirit, being born again from above. And this is what God came to do through Christ. When Christ came to save us, he didn't come to just put the pieces back together. Like when you break your favorite coffee mug and you try to super glue the handle back on, that's not what Jesus did. That's not what he and the Father did when they poured out the Spirit. We've been ennobled. We've received more than what we lost. So now we don't have just a natural life, but we have a supernatural life, which is to say it's above nature. That's what supernatural means, above nature. And so we have become something more than what we were before. And when Jesus rises from the dead in his glorified body, that is meant to give us hope that what he has already experienced in his own body is something that all of us will experience too. But we don't have to wait to get to heaven in order to experience this. That will be the fullness of it for sure. But even here and now, we've already received, as Paul would say, the first installment of our inheritance. We've already received the Holy Spirit. We've already been transformed. We don't experience that in all of its glory, in all of its fullness. That's true. But we do start to experience it. And we can experience it more and more. We can grow in our life of grace just as we grow physically. We can grow in the order of grace. So now I'm going to appeal to the football team here, you know. It's like when you go to the weight room and you work out and you've got all of your summer workouts and you're getting bigger, faster, and stronger, Physically, well, the same thing can happen in the order of grace. The more we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit, the more we receive the sacraments, the more we pray, that life of grace grows in us. And we know that we only physically mature for so long. And then we hit a certain peak And after that, there's decline, right? I feel that. I tried to play football when I went. Well, I've played with these guys a little tiny bit. But when I was first assigned to Atlanta back in 2011, I was still in my late 30s. And there was a football team, Holy Spirit Prep, much like Everest, rather small in numbers, uh, even smaller than Everest numbers. They were like barely 20 guys for the team, freshmen to seniors and So I would suit up with the guys, and I would hit the seniors in practice. And I remember one day after going one-on-one with our biggest offensive tackle, who probably outweighed me by 60 pounds, I felt like I had been in a car wreck. 
And I'm like, oh, I'm not 18 years old anymore. I can't do this. So it's true. After a while, we start to decline physically. But spiritually, that doesn't have to be the case. It shouldn't be the case. We should actually keep growing spiritually in the order of grace. And that's what Jesus is getting at here. We're all called, we're all invited to receive this gift, this new life. But as he said, few respond in excellence. So the church holds up for us the saints. You could say the saints that we honor in a particular way, they're the ones who have responded in excellence. And we have many great examples that we could point to. Today is actually the feast day of St. Teresa of Avila. She's a doctor of the church. You might say she's uh, Therese's older sister in religious life because she was a Carmelite. She helped reform the Carmelites along with John of the Cross. And so Therese, the little flower, she took her name after Teresa of Avila, who gets trumped today because it's a Sunday. But we have these men and women who have responded in excellence, and they should inspire us. Not that we're called to imitate them per se, because we all have a unique path. We all have a unique journey. We all have unique gifts and talents that we've all been given, that God is inviting us to share, that he's inviting us to cultivate and to grow in. It's not that anybody just is born a saint. That doesn't happen. But we become, we become saints, little by little, day by day. That's what we're all called to become. Matthew Kelly likes to, to say that uh, we're called, we're all called to become the best version of ourselves. I like that. The best version of ourselves. And nobody nails it each and every day totally and, and completely, perfectly. So it's not about being perfect. But if I can quote one of my favorite saints, Vince Lombardi. <clears throat> St. Vince would say, for you young people out there, he used to coach the Green Bay Packers, okay? So Vince Lombardi would say that winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. You don't win once in a while. You don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. Winning is a habit. Unfortunately, so is losing. And he would say, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Right, Coach Pernicki? <laughs> so we know we're not going to be perfect, but we strive for that by the grace of God. But it's not even about trying harder necessarily. It's about allowing God, who is the perfect one, who is the powerful one, to live in us more and more. And that's what St. Paul understood so well. In that second reading today, he said, I have learned the secret. It's not really a secret, but Paul says, I've learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of living in abundance, and of being in need. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. It's a great line. 
I can do all things in him who strengthens me. So it's not about us alone using our will and just trying to be better and trying to do better. That's not how we grow in holiness. I mean, we have to cooperate with God's grace for sure. But as Paul learned, it's doing all things in him and through him and with him. Sound familiar? At the end of the Eucharistic prayer, pay attention to that today. Through him and with him and in him, all glory is yours, almighty Father. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, forever and ever. I switched up the words there a little bit. But to highlight the fact that it's the Lord Jesus now in whom we live and exist. We are sustained by him. That's supernatural life. It's sustained by him. And it is he himself who, through the Holy Spirit, wants to now live his glorified, resurrected life in us and with us and, yes, even through us. So let's pray for that today, that we can all say yes, that we can all respond in excellence to God's invitation to follow him, to be his friend, to be his disciple, to allow him to live his life in us. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. You live your life in me. I offer you my life. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Come in me. Live your life in me so that I can become all that you created me to be. Amen.